0: I am Father Chris Aylar of the Marian Fathers here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy, and welcome to Season 3 of Living Divine Mercy here on EWTN. Have you ever heard someone say, I don't need to go to church? I'm spiritual. I'm not into organized religion. Well, that's too bad because Jesus organized religion. Yes, in Scripture, Jesus established the college of bishops when he selected twelve apostles to do his work. Christ established the church when he gave them the authority to forgive sins and act in his name, as we see in Matthew 18 18, Matthew 16 19, and John 20 23. And in 1 Timothy 3 15, Paul called the church the pillar and foundation of Of the truth you know jesus also established the chair of the papacy and put peter upon it in matthew 16 18 and all of these actions predate the bible the men of the church he chose were the first living books do you know that the bible was created to be read at the mass Yes, the Mass predates the Bible by 350 years. So it was the Church that kept the faith alive the first three centuries, not the Bible, surprisingly. And that is why Colossians 1.18 says Jesus is the head of the body, which is the Church. So, contrary to common belief, the Church is not man-made, but God-made, as Jesus passed his authority to his apostles and then to the priest. That is why sacred apostolic tradition, not man-made tradition, is in the Bible, and why St. Paul said to hold fast to the traditions that he taught, both oral and written. This is the apostolic college, the magisterium, along with Scripture and tradition. We come from the Jews as Catholics, and they had the same three legs of their faith stool that we Catholics have. The Jews had a magisterium. That was the teaching authority of Moses. They had Scripture. That was the Torah and the Ten Commandments. And they had oral tradition, which came down with Moses from the mountain. Yes, Christ gave us sacred apostolic tradition to carry on the faith through the Catholic Church after he ascended to the Father. Remember, sola scriptura, which means Bible only, is not in the Bible, but apostolic tradition certainly is. So when you hear... I don't follow the teachings of men. You can say, neither do I. I follow the teachings of God explained by the very men Christ entrusted to teach me. Christ gave his authority to the apostles and then gave them the authority to pass it down. This is called apostolic succession, and it is in the Acts of the Apostles, such as when they chose Matthias to replace Judas. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2 says, "'What you hear from me and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also.'" This is how Christ set it up. So who are we to tell him he is wrong? Without the Church, we don't have Western civilization today. Despite its faults and failings because of its human nature, The Catholic Church is the world's oldest continuous running institution, which means it must also have a divine nature. Like Christ, the Church is both human and divine, and that enabled it to build Western civilization. The universities, hospitals, charities, and education as we know it today are because of the Catholic Church. Every day, the Catholic Church feeds, clothes, shelters, and educates more people than any other organization in the world. Jesus stated that one of the reasons he came to earth was to establish a church. But does anyone believe he would say, I'm going to start a church, but I'm going to get it wrong for 1500 years until Martin Luther gets it right? Remember, The Catholic Church was the only Christian church for over a thousand years. In fact, today there are tens of thousands of different Christian denominations. So, which one is the true Church of Christ? You can't have more than one. Christ only started one. So, is it the Baptist faith? Well, that was started by John Smith in 1609. Uh, was it the Mormon religion, for example? Well, that was started by Joseph Smith in 1830. Is it the Episcopalian faith? Well, that was begun by Samuel Seabury in 1789. You get the point. Everyone was started by a man. And who started the Catholic Church? Nobody is ever mentioned but Christ himself. Jesus did. And of all the religions in the world, what makes us different? The sacraments, which are all biblical. They're not just symbols, but they actually do something. They're actual grace to give us eternal life. Remember the definition. A sacrament is an efficacious sign of God's grace instituted by Christ and entrusted to the Church by which divine life is instilled in us. We are commanded by Jesus to receive the sacraments. The faithful are born anew by baptism, strengthened by the Holy Spirit in confirmation, and nourished by the Eucharist. John 6 tells us, unless we eat his body and drink his blood, we have no life in us. And the Bible tells us we must be born of water and the Spirit, which again is baptism, or we will not enter into heaven. And Christ tells the apostles, the first priests, they are the ones to forgive sins in his name. This is Confession. Perhaps we Catholics are like the laborers who worked only for an hour in the vineyard. This is Matthew 20. And those without the sacraments are like those who labored all day. It seems unfair that both groups got the same wages. And it seems unfair that we are given all of this extra sacramental help, easy grace, so to speak. But the Lord of the vineyard said, Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own? The others aren't being cheated. God just gave something special to the Catholic Church through the sacraments, through his church. It's what makes us different from all the other Christian religions. The sacraments work ex opere operato, which means by the very fact that the sacramental action is performed, because it is Christ who acts in the sacraments and communicates the grace. So even if the priest is in a state of mortal sin, you receive valid sacraments when you go to church. The efficacy of the sacraments does not depend upon the personal holiness of the priest. However, the fruits of the sacraments do depend on your disposition and the one who receives the sacraments. Now, I also want to mention a few other common misunderstandings of Catholicism. One of the most common, surprisingly, is call no one on earth your father. Well, the fourth commandment does, as we are told to honor our father. Jesus called Abraham, Father Abraham. And St. Paul calls religious leaders, fathers, in Acts 7.2 and Acts 22.1. He also tells the Corinthians, I became your spiritual father. Okay, how about infant baptism? The apostles baptized entire households. In baptism, we become citizens of God's kingdom. We are adopted children. So why wouldn't all children be included? You don't wait for your child to turn 18 to let him decide if he wants to be a member of your family, do you? You see, would we want our children to remain in a state of original sin no matter what their age? Of course not. Now, how about not praying vain, repetitious prayer? Many people reference the rosary here. Well, the angels did so in the Bible, such as singing holy, holy, holy in the Gospel of Luke. It is not vain and it is not repetitious because the language of Scripture has no superlative. They repeated words to give them emphasis. We also often hear... You can't talk to the saints because they're all dead. Well, Jesus spoke with Moses during the Transfiguration, although he died centuries earlier. Jesus said God is the God of the living, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, although they died centuries earlier as well. How about this one? Once saved, always saved. Well, that is not in the Bible either. But the Bible does say we must persevere to the end, working out our salvation with fear and trembling. And finally, we are told to have no graven images. But in Exodus 20, verse 4, God prohibits graven images only for the purpose of worshiping them. Catholics don't worship Mary or statues or images and never will. In fact, in Exodus 25:18, God commands Moses to make statues of angels. And in Numbers 21, 8, God commands a bronze serpent to be made and looked upon to heal the people. If all graven images are prohibited, we need to remove the picture we have on our desk because that is actually a graven image. Protestants used nativity scenes, which are technically graven images as well. In the early church, most were illiterate, so icons were the way people were taught their faith. Christ established the church to teach, govern, and sanctify in his name until the end of time. To reject the authority of the church is to reject Christ and his gospel. As Fulton Sheen said, Millions of people hate what they think is the Catholic Church, but very few, if any, hate what is actually the Catholic Church. Now, with the NFL season here already, let's talk to former NFL quarterback Elvis Gerback, who also quarterbacked the Michigan Wolverines. And let's hear from him how important the church is to him and his family. Well, it's an honor for us to be here with former Michigan quarterback and great Catholic, Elvis Gerback. And Elvis, we just wanted to say, first of all, welcome to Living Divine Mercy.
1: Thank you, Father Chris. Thank you for having me. Go Blue.
0: (laughs) Well, as a Michigan graduate, I, I do have to start with a funny story that I interviewed Coach Lou Holtz on our program here a few months back. And it was funny because I had to bring up the infamous pass uh, that you did on fourth down caught by Desmond Howard to secure the victory against Notre Dame. And if I remember correctly, I don't think Lou Holtz had too much of an, a
1: reaction to that. So uh, if you could tell us real briefly, what do you remember about that play? Oh, I, I remember a lot. Obviously the, the the moment in the game, the intensity of the game and that um, we hadn't beaten Notre Dame, I think in a, in a while. Um, having them at home, Uh, fourth and two, I believe. And we actually went to the sideline to kind of decide what we were gonna do. Uh, Gary Muller was the head coach at that time. And we decided to kind of have a run pass option. Me being a gambler with the best wide receiver in the country, I went with the pass. And if you really look at that film very closely, when I threw it, uh, does gets to about maybe like around the five yard line and he turns it up into another speed and go and gets the ball I mean it was one of the greatest catches of all time in college history so I'm, I'm glad to be and, a part of it
0: <laughs> I, I, I had that pictured uh, Elvis on my wall for many years but uh, <laughs> but um, we're, we're grateful and uh, as uh, as we say though something even greater our, our Catholic faith and so if you wouldn't mind tell us briefly a little bit about your family and what the faith means to to you, and uh, were you born
1: Catholic or a convert? I'm born Catholic, Roman Catholic. My parents came over from Croatia um, many, many years ago. Uh, 1970, I was born here in the states. My parents came over. My older brother and my older sister were born in Europe, um, so my first language was really Croatian. Um, so I struggled early on, but my faith was always there. It's one of the things that my parents taught me. And instilled in me uh, from day one. So now uh, tell us Elvis if you don't mind uh, you're studying then are you are discerning for the diaconate? I was discerning about it uh, many years ago as I've kind of really grown in my faith of really studying scripture uh, contemplating on a lot of the uh, things that I read um, and then now really um, taking to a different level that I never thought I would go to was getting my master's in theology here at St. Mary's in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. I'll finalize my master's program and then continue to discern. Now, tell us a little bit about your work.
0: You are running a cleaning company, but I love the fact that you've actually described that as something of a ministry. So tell us about that.
1: So, you know, obviously, Father, you know, you know what I did for a living for so many years uh, at the professional football level. Um, You know, I took a lot of time off uh, to spend time with my family and now my my kids are gone. It's my wife and I. And we had an opportunity to take over this cleaning business. Uh, We own the Cleaning Authority in Solon, Ohio. And I told my wife, I said, I really don't want to just have this as a, just a business for us. What can we do for the people that we're going to have as employees? And what can we do for the people that we serve us? And so for me, having a business uh, to go there where I can uh, practice my faith in the way that I talk, the way that I act. And and when we do have staff meetings, I actually ask the staff to really join yeah, us in prayer. Um, typically, we do that on Monday mornings. Today. And I want to make sure that, that anything that happened over the weekend that we can pray about, and then for whatever's going to happen for that entire week coming up, um, that we can bless the girls that to make sure that they're safe. And also, we do service a lot of people who you know um, are elderly. And they might not have any human interaction for some time. And so I really stress to the girls that, you know, we're providing a service, but we're providing something more. We're changing their lives. We're being a part of their lives. And the way we act and the way we are professional about what we do and the way we care about people uh, goes a lot farther than just, you know, cleaning their homes.
0: Now let's back up a little bit. Um, tell me about your faith when you were in professional football. Now, after college at Michigan, you were quarterback uh, in the in the NFL.
1: And um, how was it difficult or easy to bring your faith in? I will say this father and kind of like how the culture is going right now it was it was a point where I could really kind of bring my faith into when I was early on in my career and then it kind of got really kind of dissipated a little bit and I say that because I was with the San Francisco 49ers when I started and Mr. DeBartolo was the owner at that time uh, we would always have mass uh, before our games either the night before or that morning of uh, the great. games so I was I was very blessed to be able to continue that especially when we're you know traveling things like that um then I went to Kansas City I, I try to continue that but it wasn't as you know uh easy. That's the way, best way I can say that, uh, to continue my faith. And then I only played one more year uh, in Baltimore. Um, and that was very different because at that time there was uh, the evangelicals were kind of like, I'm going to say were very prominent within the locker room. And um, it was a good thing. But at the same time as a Catholic, I, I almost felt kind of like uh, you know, cornered a little bit sometimes, um, but I continue to. Uh, was I perfect? Absolutely not. No one's perfect, and I will just say this: um, I had an opportunity after I was done playing to spend time with my kids, like I said, and to reevaluate what is my faith really like, and that's really kind of where my focal point is now. Wow. Well, thank you for, you know, keeping your faith, uh, you know, and, and that leads me to want to ask Elvis,
0: if you don't mind sharing with everyone, what are some of your favorite devotions? Um, if somebody saw you uh, alone on a bus, would it be the rosary chaplet of divine
1: mercy or uh sacred heart? What, what, what maybe are some of your favorite devotions? That's yeah. easy. The rosary. Yeah. I pray it every day. Uh, when I'm going to work, I you know from where I am right now to my to my office is 20 minutes, right? It's maybe 25 minutes depending on traffic, and it's all the back roads through you know northeastern Ohio. And I have an opportunity. Um, sometimes I'll go to 6:30 mass, uh, and then my half an hour from there to to work, I pray the rosary or prior to going to mass. And it's interesting because when I wake up, the first person I pray to is Mary to get my feet on the ground and continue to service her son. And then I do do the divine chaplet on my way home after work. It's it's really good to get in that car again where you have that little bit of a space and to be able to pray and kind of offer everything up to him uh, at the end of the day. Um, what also is very important to me is the Eucharist, um, receiving it on a daily basis. Receiving Holy Communion is is the 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 perfectness of our faith. It really is. Um, And and we talk about divine mercy. It is the love of God, really being able to receive the love of God um, on a daily basis, or if it's just a weekly basis, but it is a nourishment of our faith.
0: Now, tell us a little bit, um, Elvis, if you don't mind, about what you feel um, is happening in the church today. Uh, So many people are, you know, we share a Croatian background, and the Croatians are traditionally the family-oriented Catholics. Uh, But what is your take on what's happening today? What can we do as a church?
1: Boy, great question, because I do give talks on this to, to men's groups around the country, um, because I do challenge the men. I was at a conference down in Columbus, Ohio, a number of years ago, and Scott Hahn put a um, a percentage up on, on a board or something like that. And he had said this, a family of five, which is my family, you know, I have two boys and a, and a daughter. Um, if... One of the child is active in their faith, then 10% of the rest of the family would be active in their faith. If the mother is active in their faith, then it jumps up to about 25%, which is kind of typical, right? Okay. But if the father is active in his faith, it jumps up to like 85%. And so I challenge the men every time I talk to them, I said, you are the ones are the glue of the family when you do get married and you promise that you're going to continue that catholic faith in the in the household it's the father's responsibility to do that it's his responsibility and so i kind of stress that on on all kind of levels Well, keep up the great work, Elvis. God bless you.
0: We are so thankful for your time and being a great example. And go blue.
1: So thank you very much, and God God bless you. God bless you too, Father. Go blue.
0: Well, thank you, Elvis. It's great to have you with us. And we heard about the role of the church in his life. Now let's hear about the role of God and the church in sports and in the life of one of our Marian priests, Father Tyler.
2: So the question is, what is the role of God in sports? A great question, and we can reflect on that and think about how many people love to play sports. I know I love to play sports, played sports growing up all of my childhood and through college, and it's just a a joy to get out on the field and be in the sunshine and, and play in sports. And I think a beautiful thing about sports is that it helps us to cultivate virtue, to grow in holiness. Scripture says, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And that includes sports. We can get on the field and we can play for the glory of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm about as competitive as it gets. When you get me on the field, I love to win. And winning is a good thing. It's awesome to want to win and to do your best. But it's important we play sports that, you know, win or lose, that you're still giving glory to God. That's the important thing. You know, the Lord wants us to do our best to to just enjoy um, and I'm thinking of this movie. I think it was Chariots of Fire, but there was a great runner. And when he was running, he says, when I run, I feel God. And we can do that in sports. The Lord is with us. He's playing with us. But, you know, whether we win or lose, we always want to have that that spirit to give glory to God. And and sometimes it's hard to take the defeat, the hard to take the loss, but that's a great opportunity to grow in virtue and say, you know what? Maybe that team played a little better than I did today. You know, I got to give it to them and give glory to God. At Lindsay Texas, we we go to either mass or religion class when we were young, before uh, school started, so uh, every day. and. Uh, and that, that's still going on today for the younger uh, generation, for our kids and grandkids, and then, then on, uh, in the evenings also, youth group, and for the high schoolers' education. So we, we try to keep that faith going through our kids. Very important
3: to us. I pray my rosary in the morning and then in the evenings I pray the chaplet with myself and the prayers that throughout the day patients will ask me to pray for them and I'm like well I only have five minutes in between patients and I'll say a quick Hail Mary but when I get home I try to remember to pray the chaplet for them and all their um their prayer, you know, prayers that they need. Um, it's such a, it's such a beautiful blessing. And I remember one priest said, it's the fast rosary. (laughs) And I said, yeah, it is. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, as, uh, husband and wives, we'll be driving, um, to wherever. And if we have time, uh, um, pull out say the rosary, or the chaplet, or both, if we've said the rosary in the morning or the chaplet later in the afternoon. And it's it's just a a, um, very kind of peaceful way to pass the time and reflect and um, ask for
3: God's mercy. Suddenly, God's presence took hold of me, and at once I saw myself in Rome, in the Holy Father's chapel, and at the same time I was in our chapel. And the celebration of the Holy Father and the entire Church was closely connected with our chapel and, in a very special way, with our congregation. And I took part in the solemn celebration simultaneously here and in Rome, for the celebration was so closely connected with Rome that, even as I write, I cannot distinguish the two, but I am writing it down as I saw it. I saw the Lord Jesus in our chapel, exposed in the monstrance on the high altar. The chapel was adorned as for a feast, and on that day anyone who wanted to come was allowed in. The crowd was so enormous that the eye could not take it all in. Everyone was participating in the celebration with great joy, and many of them obtained what they desired.
0: So thank you, everybody, for joining us this week, talking about the church, and be with us next week because a long time ago we did an episode on the spiritual works of mercy, but we never did the corporal works of mercy. Join us next week as we talk about those. And until then, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.